Section forty of London Labour and the London Poor by Henry Mayhew, Volume One. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Peter Yearsley. The Street Folk, Part Forty. Of political litanies, dialogues, etc. Work a litany in the streets is considered one of the higher exercises of professional skill on the part of the patterer. In working this, a clever patterer who will not scruple to introduce anything out of his head which may strike him as suitable to his audience is very particular in his choice of a mate frequently changing his ordinary partner who may be good at a noise or a ballad but not have sufficient acuteness or intelligence to patter politics as if he understood what he was speaking about i am told that there are not twelve patterers in london whom a critical professor of street elocution will admit to be capable of working a catechism or a litany why sir said one patra i've gone out with a mate to work a litany and he's humped it in no time to hump in street parlance is equivalent to botch in more genteel colloquialism and when a thing's humped my informant continued you can only call a go to call a go signifies to remove to another spot or adopt some other patter or in short to resort to some change or other in consequence of a failure an elderly man not now in the street trade but who had pattered off a few papers some years ago told me that he had heard three or four old hands now all dead for they're a short-lived people talk of the profits gained and the risk ran by giving hone's parodies on the catechism litany st athanasius creed and so on in the streets after the three consecutive trials and the three acquittals of hone had made the parodies famous and hone popular to work them in the streets was difficult for though said my informant there was no new police in them days there was plenty of officers and constables ready to pull the fellows up and though hone was acquitted a beak that wanted to please the high dons would find some way of stopping them that sold hone's things in the street and so next to nothing could be done that way but a little was done the greatest source of profit i learned from the reminiscences of the same man was in the parlours and tap-rooms of public houses where the patterers or reciters were well paid for going through their catechisms and sometimes that there might be no interruption the door was locked and even the landlord and his servants excluded the charge was usually tuppence a copy but a penny was not refused during queen caroline's trial there were the like interruptions and hindrances to similar performances and the interruptions continued during the passing of the catholic emancipation bill until about the era of the reform bill and then the hindrance was but occasional and perhaps it was our own fault sir said one patra that we was then molested at all in the dialogues and catechisms and things but we was uncommon bold and what plenty called saucy at that time we was so thus this branch of a street profession continued to be followed half surreptitiously until after the subsidence of the political ferment consequent on the establishment of a new franchise and the partial abolition of an old one the calling however has never been popular among street purchasers and i believe that it is sometimes followed by a street patra as much from the promptings of the pride of art as from the hope of gain the street papers in the dialogue form have not been copied nor derived from popular productions but even in the case of political litanies and anti-corn law catechisms and dialogues 
are the work of street authors one intelligent man told me that properly to work a political litany which referred to ecclesiastical matters he made himself up as well as limited means would permit as a bishop and did stunning until he was afraid of being stunned on skilly of the late papers on the subject of the pope i cite the one which was certainly the best of all that appeared and concerning which indignant remonstrances were addressed to some of the newspapers the good child in the patter was a tall bulky man the examiner also the author was rather diminutive the old english bull john versus the pope's bull of rome my good child as it is necessary at this very important crisis when that good pious and very reasonable old gentleman pope pius the ninth has promised to favour us with his presence and the pleasures of popery and trampled on the rights and privileges which we as englishmen and protestants have engaged for these last three hundred years since bluff king hal began to take a dislike to the broad-rimmed hat of the venerable cardinal wolsey and proclaimed himself an heretic it is necessary i say for you and all of you to be perfect in your lessons so as you may be able to verbally chastise this saucy prelate his newly made cardinal foolish men and the whole host of puseyites and protect our beloved queen our church and our constitution now my boy can you tell me what is your name b protestant how came you by that name at the time of harry the stout when popery was in a galloping consumption the people protested against the supremacy and installments of the pope and his colleges had struck deep at the hollow tree of superstition i gained the name of protestant and proud am i and ever shall be to stick to it till the day of my death let us say from all cardinals whence wise or foolish oh queen spare us spare us o oh queen from the pleasure of the rack and the friendship of the kind-hearted officers of the inquisition oh johnny hear us oh russell hear us from the comforts of being frizzled like a deviled kindney oh nosey save us hear us o oh arthur from such saucy prelates as pope pious oh coming save us save us good coming and let us have no more burnings in smithfield no more warm drinks in the shape of boiled oil or molten lead and send the whole host of puseyites along with the pope cardinals to the top of mount vesuvius there to dine off of hot lava so that we may live in peace and shout long live our queed and no popery for some pictures the foregoing was sufficient for a street auditory hates too long a patter but where a favourable opportunity offered easily tested by the pecuniary beginnings the lesson of the day was given in addition and was inserted after the second answer in the foregoing parody so preceding the let us say the lesson of the day you seem an intelligent lad so i think you are quite capable of reading with me the lessons for this day's service now the lesson for the day is taken from all parts of the book of martyrs beginning at just where you like it was about the year eighteen thirty five that a certain renegade of the name of pussy i beg his pardon i mean pusey like a snake who stung his master commenced crawling step by step from the master he was bound to serve to worship a puppet arrayed in a spangle and tinsel of a romish showman 
and the pestilence that he shed around spread rapidly through the minds of many unworthy members of our established church even up to the present year eighteen fifty inasmuch that st barnabas of pimlico unable to see the truth by the aid of his oculars mounted four pounds of long sixes in the midday that he might see through the fog of his own folly by which he was surrounded and pope pius the ninth taking advantage of the hubbub did create under himself a cardinal in the person of one wiseman of westminster and cardinal broadrim claimed four counties in england as his diocese and his master the pope claimed as many more as his sees but the people of england could not see that so they declared aloud they would see them blowed first so when jack russell heard of his most impudent intentions he sent him a letter saying it was the intention of the people of england never again to submit to their infamous mummeries for the burnings in smithfield which was still fresh in their memory and behold great meetings were held in different parts of england where the pope was burnt in effigy like unto a yarmouth bloater as a token of respect for him and his followers and the citizens of london were staunch to a man and assembled together in the guild hall of our mighty city and shouted with stentarian lungs long live the queen and down with the pope the sound of which might have been heard even unto the vatican of rome and when his holiness the pope heard that his power was set at naught his nose became blue even as a bilberry with rage and declared russell and cummings or any who joined in the no popery cry should ever name the felicity of kissing his pious great toe thus endeth the lesson in the course of my inquiries touching this subject i had more than one occasion to observe that an acute patra had always a reason or an excuse for anything one quick-witted irishman whom i knew to be a roman catholic was working a patter against the pope not the one i have given and on my speaking to him on the subject and saying that i supposed he did it for a living he replied that's it then sir you're right sir yes i work it just as a catholic lawyer would plead against a catholic paper for a libel on protestants though in his heart he knew the paper was right and a protestant lawyer would defend the libel hammer and tongs bless you sir you'll not find much more honour that way among us laughing than among them lawyers not much the readiness with which the sharpest of these men plead the doings not only of tradesmen but of the learned and sacred professions to justify themselves is remarkable sometimes a dialogue is of a satirical nature one man told me that the conversation between achilles and the wellington statue of which i give the concluding moiety was among the best he meant for profit but no great thing my informant was achilles or as he pronounced it achilles and his mate was the statue or man on the horse the two lines in the couplet form which precede every two paragraphs of dialogue seem as if they represent the speakers wrongfully the answer should be attributed in each case to achilles the hoarse voice it came from the statue of achilles and twas answered thus by the man on the horse little man of little mind haven't i now got iron blinds and bomb-proof rails when danger assails a cunning devised job to keep out an unruly mob with high and ambitious views and remarkable queer shoes i say old nakedness i say come and see my frontage over the way but i believe you can't get out after ten no you're as near where you are as at quatre bras i hear a great deal what the public think and feel plain as the nose on your face 
we're deemed a national disgrace they grumble at your highness and my want of shyness and say many unpleasant things of liney and marchienne the hoarse voice it came from the statue of achilles and was answered thus by the man on the horse ah it's a few days since the knife when salt found me all alive and the grey torolo i made at bordeaux wasn't i in a nice mess when boney left elba and left no address beside a hundred and fifty other jobs with the chill off i could bring to view but then people will say poor unfortunate nay and that you were dancing at a ball and not near hoggymont at all and that the job of st helena might have been done rather cleaner and it was a shameful go to send sir hudson low and that you took particular care of number one at waterloo the hoarse voice it came from the statue of achilles and was answered thus by the man on the horse why flog em and odd rot em who set up guards and atom and you know that nice treat i received in downing street when hooted by a thousand or near defended by an old grenadier so no whopping i got good luck to his old tin pot oh there's a deal of brass in me i'll allow it's prophesied you'll break down they're crying it about town and many jokes are passed that you're brought to the scaffold at last and they say i look black because i've no shirt to my back and it's getting broad daylight i vow the hoarse voice it came from the statue of achilles but twas answered thus by the man on the horse m v hooker of parodies other than the sort of compound of the litany and other portions of the church service which i have given there are none in the streets neither are there political duets such productions as parodies on popular songs cab 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 or trip 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 are now almost always derived for street service from the concert rooms but they relate more immediately to ballads or street song and not to patter of cocks etc these literary forgeries if so they may be called have already been alluded to under the head of the death and fire hunters but it is necessary to give a short account of a few of the best and longest known of those stereotyped no new cocks except for an occasion have been printed for some years one of the stereotyped cocks is the married man caught in a trap one man had known it sold for years and years and it served he said when there was any police report in the papers about sweethearts in coal cellars and so on the illustration embraces two compartments in one a severe-looking female is assaulting a man whose hat has been knocked off by the contents of a water-jug which a very stout woman is pouring on his head from a window in the other compartment as if from an adjoining room two women look on encouragingly the subject matter however is in no accordance with the title or the embellishment it is a love-letter from john s blank n to his most adorable mary he expresses the ardour of his passion and then twits his adored with something beyond a flirtation with robert e blank a decoyer of female innocence placably overlooking this however john s blank n continues my dearest angel consent to my request and keep me no longer in suspense nothing on my part shall ever be wanting to make you happy and comfortable my apprenticeship will expire in four months from hence when i intend to open a shop in the small ware line and your abilities in dressmaking and self-adjusting staymaker and the assistance of a few female mechanics we shall be able to realize an independency 
many a turn in seductions talked about in the papers and not talked about almost nowhere said one man has that slum served for besides other things such as love letters and confessions of a certain lady in this neighbourhood another old cock is headed extraordinary and funny doings in this neighbourhood the illustration is a young lady in an evening dress sitting with an open letter in her hand on a sort of garden seat in what appears to be a churchyard after a smart song enforcing the ever neglected advice that people should look at home and mind their own business are two letters the first from r g the answer from s h m the gentleman's epistle commences madam the love and tenderness i have hitherto expressed for you is false and i now feel that my indifference towards you increases every day and the more i see you the more you appear ridiculous in my eyes and contemptible i feel inclined and in every respect disposed and determined to hate you believe me i never had any inclination to offer you my hand the lady responds in a similar strain and the twain appear very angry until a footnote offers an explanation by reading every other line of the above letters the true meaning will be found readers note reading every other line gives the love and tenderness i have hitherto expressed for you increases every day and the more i see you the more i feel inclined and in every respect disposed and determined to offer you my hand End readers note. of this class of cocks i need cite no other specimens but pass on to one of another species the cruel and inhuman murder committed on the body of captain lawson the illustration is a lady wearing a coronet stabbing a gentleman in full dress through the top button of his waistcoat the narrative commences with surprise we have learned that this neighbourhood for a length of time was amazingly alarmed this day by a crowd of people carrying the body of mr james lawless to a doctor while streams of blood besmeared the way in such a manner that the cries of murder re-echoed the sound of numerous voices it appears that the cause of alarm originated through a courtship attended with a solemn promise of marriage between him and miss lucy gard a handsome young lady of refined feelings with the intercourse of a superior enlightened mind she lived with her aunt who spared neither pain nor cost to improve the talents of miss g those seven years past since the death of her mother in ludgate hill london and bore a most excellent character until she got entangled by the de humps allurement of mr l the writer then deplores miss gard's fall from virtue and her desertion by her betrayer on account of her fortune being small captain lawson or mr james lawless next woos a wealthy city maiden and the bans are published what follows seems to me to be a rather intricate detail we find that the intended bride learned that miss gard held certain promissory letters of his and that she was determined to enter an action against him for a breach of promise which moved clouded eclipse over the ecstasy of the variable miss lawless who knew that miss g had letters of his sufficient to substantiate her claims in a court lawson visits miss gard to wheedle her out of his letters but she drew a large carving-knife and stabbed him under the left breast at the latest account the man was left without hope of recovery while the valiant victress was ordered to submit to judicial decorum in the nineteenth year of her age 
the murders and other atrocities for which this cock has been sponsor are i was informed emphatically a thundering lot i conclude with another cock which may be called a narrative on a subject as we have ballads on a subject afterwards to be described but with this difference that the narrative is fictitious and the ballad must be founded on a real event however embellished the highest newspaper style i was told was aimed at part of the production reads as if it had done service during the revolution of february eighteen forty eight express from paris supposed death of louis napoleon we stop the press to announce that louis napoleon has been assassinated by some it is said he is shot dead by others that he is only wounded in the right arm we have most important intelligence from paris that capital is in a state of insurrection the vivacious people who have herefore defeated the government by paving stones have again taken up those missiles on tuesday the ministers forbade the reform banquet and the prefect of police published a proclamation warning the people to respect the laws which he declared were violated and he meant to enforce them but the people despised the proclamation and rejected his authority they assembled in great multitudes round the chambers of deputies and forced their way over the walls they were attacked by the troops and dispersed but reassembled in various quarters they showed their hatred of m guizot by demolishing his windows and attempting to force an entrance into his hotel but were again repulsed by the troops all the military in paris and all the national guard have been summoned to arms and every preparation made on the part of the government to put down the people the latter have raised barricades in various places and have unpaved the streets overturned omnibuses and made preparation for a vigorous assault or a protracted resistance five o'clock at this moment the rue saint honore is blockaded by a detachment of dragoons who fill the market-place near the rue des petits champs and are charging the people sword in hand carriages full of people are being taken to the hospitals in fact the maddest excitement reigns throughout the capital half-past six during the above we have instituted inquiries at the foreign office they have not received any intelligence of the above report if it has come it must have been by pigeon express we have not given the above in our columns with a view of its authenticity any further information as soon as obtained shall be immediately announced to the public of strawing i have already alluded to strawing which can hardly be described as quackery it is rather a piece of mountebankery many a quack confining the term to its most common signification that of a quack doctor has faith in the excellence of his own nostrums and so proffers that which he believes to be curative the straw however sells what he knows is not what he represents it the straw offers to sell any passer-by in the streets a straw and to give the purchaser a paper which he dares not sell accordingly as he judges of the character of his audience so he intimates that the paper is political libelous irreligious or indecent i am told that as far back as twenty-five or twenty-six years straws were sold but only in the country with leaves from the republican a periodical published by carlyle then of fleet street which had been prosecuted by the government but it seems that the trade died away and was little or hardly known again 
until the time of the trial of Queen Caroline, and then but sparingly. The straw sale reached its highest commercial pitch at the era of the Reform Bill. The most successful trader in the article is remembered among the patterers as Jack Straw, who was oft enough represented to me as the original straw. If I inquired further, the answer was, he was the first in my time. This Jack Straw was, I am told, a fine-looking man, a natural son of Henry Hunt, the blacking manufacturer. He was described to me as an inveterate drunkard and a very reckless fellow. One old hand was certain that this man was Hunt's son, as he himself had worked with him, and was sometimes sent by him when he was in trouble or in any strait to thirty-two Broadwall Blackfriars for assistance, which was usually rendered. This was the place where Hunt's matchless blacking and roasted corn were vended. Jack Straw's principal pitch was at Hyde Park Corner, where, said the man whom I have mentioned as working with him, he used to come it very strong against old Nosey, the Hyde Park bully as he called him. To my knowledge he's made ten shillings and he's made fifteen shillings on a night. Oh, it didn't matter to him what he sold with his straws, religion or anything. There was no thrupennies, note, thrupenny newspapers, end note, then, and he had had a gentleman's education, and he knew what to say, and so the straws went off like smoke. The articles which this man durst not sell were done up in paper, so that no one could very well peruse them on the spot, as a sort of stealth was implied. On my asking Jack Straw's co-worker if he had ever drank with him, "'Drank with him?' he answered. "'Yes, many a time. I've gone out and pattered or chaunted or anything to get money to buy him two glasses of brandy.' and good brandy was very dear then, before he could start, for he was all of a tremble until he had his medicine. If I couldn't get brandy, it was the best rum, cause he had all the tastes of a gentleman. Ah, he's been dead some years, sir, but where he died, I don't know. I only heard of his death. He was a nice, kindly fellow. The ruse, in respect of strawing, is not remarkable for its originality. It was an old smuggler's trick to sell a sack and give the keg of contraband spirit placed within it, and padded out with straw so as to resemble a sack of corn. The hawkers, prior to 1826, when Mr. Huskisson introduced changes into the silk laws, gave real ingy handkerchiefs, sham, to a customer, and sold him a knot of tape for about four shillings. The price of a true bandana, then prohibited and sold openly in the draper's shops, was about eight shillings. The East India Company imported about a million of bandanas yearly. They were sold by auction for exportation to Hamburg and so on, at about four shillings each, and were nearly all smuggled back again to England and disposed of, as I have stated. It is not possible to give anything like statistics as to the money realized by strawing. A well-informed man calculated that, when the trade was at its best, or from 1832 to 1836, there might be generally fifty working it in the country, and twenty in London. They did not confine themselves, however, to strawing, but resorted to it only on favourable opportunities. Now there are none in London. Their numbers diminished gradually, and very rarely any in the country. Of the sham indecent street trade this is one of those callings which are at once repulsive and ludicrous. Repulsive, when it is considered under what pretenses the papers are sold, 
and ludicrous when the disappointment of the gulled purchaser is contemplated i have mentioned that one of the allurements held out by the straw was that his paper the words used by jack straw could not be admitted into families those following the sham indecent trade for a time followed his example and professed to sell straws and give away papers but the london police became very observant of the sale of straws more especially under the pretences alluded to and it has for the past ten years been rarely pursued in the streets the plan now adopted is to sell the sealed packet itself which the patter of the street seller leads his auditors to believe to be some improper or scandalous publication the packet is some coloured paper in which is placed a portion of an old newspaper a christmas carol a religious tract or a slop tailor's puff given away in the streets for the behoof of another class of gulls the enclosed paper is however never indecent from a man who had not long ago been in this trade i had the following account he was very anxious that nothing should be said which would lead to a knowledge that he was my informant after having expressed his sorrow that he had ever been driven to this trade from distress he proceeded to justify himself he argued and he was not an ignorant man that there was neither common sense nor common justice in interfering with a man like him who to earn a crust pretended to sell what shopkeepers that must pay church and all sorts of rates sold without being molested the word shopkeepers was uttered with a bitter emphasis there are or were he continued shops for he seemed to know them all and some of them had been carried on for years in which shameless publications were not only sold but exposed in the windows and why should he be considered a greater offender than a shopkeeper and be knocked about by the police there are or lately were he said such shops in the strand fleet street a court off ludgate hill holborn drury lane witch street the courts near drury lane theatre haymarket high street bloomsbury st martin's court may's buildings and elsewhere to say nothing of holywell street yet he must be interfered with i may here remark that i met with no street sellers who did not disbelieve or affect to disbelieve that they were really meddled with by the police for obstructing the thoroughfare they either hint or plainly state that they are removed solely to please the shopkeepers such was the reiterated opinion real or pretended of my present informant i took a statement from this man but do not care to dwell upon the subject the trade in the form i have described had been carried on he thought for the last six years at one time twenty men followed it at present he believed there were only six and they worked only at intervals and as opportunities offered some going out for instance to sell almanacs or memorandum books and when they met with a favourable chance offering their sealed packets my informant's customers were principally boys young men and old gentlemen but old gentlemen chiefly when the trade was new this street seller's great gun as he called it was to make up packets as closely resembling as he could accomplish it those which were displayed in the windows of any of the shops i have alluded to he would then station himself at some little distance from one of those shops and if possible so as to encounter those who had stopped to study the contents of the window and would represent 
broadly enough he admitted when he dared that he could sell for sixpence what was charged five shillings or two shillings and sixpence or whatever price he had seen announced in that very neighbourhood he sometimes ventured also to mutter something unintelligibly about the public being imposed upon on one occasion he took six shillings in the street in about two hours on another evening he took four shillings and eightpence in the street and was called aside by two old gentlemen each of whom told him to come to an address given at the west end and ask for such and such initials to one he sold two packets for two shillings to the other five packets each one shilling or eleven shillings and eightpence in one evening the packets were in different coloured papers and had the impressions of a large seal on red wax at the back and he assured the old gents as he called them one of whom he thought was silly that they were all different and very likely he said chucklingly they were different for they were made out of a lot of missionary tracts and old newspapers that i got dirt cheap at a waste shop i should like to have seen the old gent's face as he opened his five shillings worth one after another this trade however among old gentlemen was prosperous for barely a month it got blown then sir and they wouldn't buy any more except a very odd one this man and he believed it was the same with all the others in the trade never visited the public houses for a packet would soon have been opened and torn there which he said people was ashamed to do in the public streets as well as he could recollect he had never sold a single packet to a girl or a woman drunken women of the town had occasionally made loud comments on his calling and offered to purchase but on such occasions fearful of a disturbance he always hurried away i have said that the straw trade is now confined to the country and i give a specimen of the article vended there by the patterer in the sham indecent trade it was purchased of a man who sold it folded in the form of a letter and is addressed on royal service by express private to her royal highness victoria princess royal kensington palace london entered at stationers hall the man who sold it had a wisp of straw round his neck and introduced his wares with the following patter i am well aware that many persons here present will say what an absurd idea the idea of selling straws for a half penny each when there are so many lying about the street but the reason is simply this i am not allowed by the authorities to sell these papers so i give them away and sell my straws there are a variety of figures in these papers for gentlemen some in the bed some on the bed some under the bed the following is a copy of the document thus sold bachelors or maidens husbands and wives will love each other and lead happy lives if both these letters to read are inclined secrets worth knowing therein they will find dated from the duchy of coburg my dearest victoria readers note there follows a long paragraph of mixed letters some upside down some right way up some inverted left to right apparently in the form of words and occasionally reminding the reader of actual words but always cryptic end reader's note your adored lover albert prince of coburg on the back of this page is the following cool initiation of the purchaser into the mysteries of the epistle directions for the purchasers to understand the royal love letters and showing them how to practice the art of secret letter writing 
proceed to lay open albert's letter by the side of victoria's and having done so then look carefully down them until you have come to a word at the left-hand corner near the end of each letter having two marks thus readers note two horizontal slashes end readers note when you must commence with that word and read from left to right after you have turned them bottom upwards before a looking-glass so that you may peruse the copy reflected therein but you must notice throughout all the words every other letter is upside down also every other word single but the next two words being purposely joined together therefore they are double and in addition to those letters placed upside down makes it more mysterious in the reading the reader is recommended to copy each word in writing when he will be able to read the letters forward and after a little practice he can soon learn to form all his words in the same curious manner when he wants to write a secret letter be sure when holding it upside down before a looking-glass that the light of a candle is placed between then by the reflection it will show much plainer and be sooner discovered if you intend to practise a joke and make it answer the purpose of a valentine write what you think necessary on the adjoining blank page then post it with the superscription filled up in this manner after the word to write the name and address of the party also place the word from before victoria's name then the address on the outside of this letter will read somewhat after the following fashion to mr or mrs so-and-so with the number if any in such and such a street at the same time your letter will appear as if it came from royalty n b you must first buy both the letters as the other letter is an answer to this one and because without the reader has got both letters he will not have the secrets perfect notwithstanding the injunction to buy both letters and the seeming necessity of having both to understand the directions the patra was selling only the one i have given that the trade in sham indecent publications was at one time very considerable and was not unobserved by those who watch as it is called the signs of the times is shown by the circumstance that the anti-corn law league paper called the bread basket could only be got off by being done up in a sealed packet and sold by patterers as a pretended improper work the really indecent trade will be described hereafter for a month my informant thought he had cleared thirty-five shillings a week for another month twenty shillings and as an average since that time from five shillings to seven shillings and sixpence weekly until he discontinued the trade it is very seldom practised unless in the evening and perhaps only one street seller depends entirely upon it supposing that six men last year each cleared six shillings weekly we find upwards of ninety-three pounds expended yearly in the streets on this rubbish the capital required to start in the business is sixpence or one shilling to be expended in paper paste and sometimes sealing wax end of section forty